Hello, America, and welcome to the morning after the November 3rd, 2020 election. Yes, it's 2020, and the election had to be as difficult as all the other uh, experiences that we've had in this crazy year, from COVID to riots to police uh, shootings to uh, all the things that have brought us strife and uncertainty. Uh, but one of the great things about last night, no matter whether you felt like you won or you lost with the vote, you have to be proud of America. Uh, we got off our duffs and we did the one thing we knew how we could do. Even in the middle of a pandemic, we voted and we voted most likely in record numbers. It looks like 67, maybe 68 percent of the country turned out to vote. Uh, that's that's not something we've seen in modern history in a long time. Uh, and that's a hurrah for America. Right now, the races are all too very close to call. Uh, it looks like the Democrats will keep a a uh, slim majority in the House, but not have a blue wave like Nancy Pelosi was predicting. Uh, it looks like the Senate most likely, particularly with Susan Collins in Maine, stays in Republican hands. Uh, Susan Collins did very well in Maine, and as did President Trump in Maine Congressional District 2. So some interesting stuff there. Uh, and then the big uh, prize, the White House is still up in the air. It looks like the data is trending in Joe Biden's way in these key states of Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, Arizona has been called for him. Uh, but the Trump campaign still has a lot to say. Donald Trump doesn't go silently on anything. Uh, you could see some legal challenges, and we are seeing some legal challenges today uh, already. And, uh, you know, the Trump campaign has been talking pretty steadily that they think Arizona will go into reversal and fall back into the red column. Uh, I don't see the data there yet, but we're going to keep you up to speed on that at justthenews.com. Uh, check us out day and night and you'll see. So today, that's sort of where we are. We're still trying to come to grips with some of the uh, the big races. There were upsets, big names kicked out, the House Agriculture Committee Chairman, uh, Colin Peterson in Minnesota, gone. Big surprise there. Uh, Donna Shalala, former Cabinet Secretary for the Clinton administration, Bill Clinton's administration, Health Secretary, uh, ousted after just one term in Congress in Florida. Uh, there are some uh, Trump districts that went blue in 2018 that came back home to red uh, in Virginia and Florida, uh, particularly perhaps California, it looks like. Uh, this was a, a smorgasbord of interesting uh, opportunities and the sort of election where uh, the American public didn't give anyone a mandate. Uh, they kind of voted for the status quo, except that Joe Biden might have done the Donald Trump thing and won uh, some of these states by a couple thousand votes. Uh, but the Senate is going to most likely stay Republican, which means Joe Biden enters uh, the presidency if he wins, handicapped. Uh, he won't be able to get through court stacking or climate change or, or energy reduction, uh, all the stuff that the left wing of his party is clamoring for and was expecting a blue wave to enforce. Uh, and on the common side, if, if the president wins, he won't have the House, uh, but he will have the Senate. And um, we're not going to know until the courts have their say in a couple of days. And I think, you know, maybe by Friday, Saturday, Monday, we'll have some clarity on, on what's viable, what is still in dispute. Uh, but what an election day and what a way to end the 2020 election cycle. Perhaps the most topsy-turvy election cycle I can remember living through, except for maybe uh, the year 2000, where we went through the new millennium and the Y2K crisis, uh, the um, hanging election and with hanging Chad in Florida. And then not about 11 months later, uh, we endured the greatest and worst terrorist attack in American history on 9-11-2001. Uh, this year seems to stack up COVID. Uh, this election still 
a contestant uh, so late into the next day of the election, uh, it's going to be quite a time. But, you know, the best thing that we can take from this, uh, there'll be Trump people who are depressed or Biden people are depressed or Nancy Pelosi people are depressed. Uh, not everybody got what they wanted out of this election. But one of the best things is Americans showed, even in the face of a pandemic where the advice was stay home, lock yourself in a basement, wear a mask, don't take the risk. Americans voted in historic proportions. And that has to make you feel good no matter the outcome. I know I feel good and proud of our country because there's no greater gift that our founding fathers gave us than that right to vote to self-determine our representation in this great constitutional republic. Uh, we're going to come right back. I don't have a monologue today. We gave you the latest on elections. We're going to go right to a very special guest, our own pollster, just the news poster, Scott Rasmussen, one of the great voices in politics, one of the wisest men I know, and by the way, one of the few pollsters that gave us a model that I think is going to look very close to what happens if Joe Biden pulls out a squeaker here. Uh, I think uh, Scott Rasmussen will look a lot wiser than some of those 10, 12, 14 point gappers in the polling industry that we saw earlier this week. So we're going to talk to Scott in just a few seconds. He's going to make sense of it all. He'll uh, give you a shoulder to cry on. He'll give you a chuckle to laugh with, and we'll get you through this election day and on to uh, the holiday season in the not-so-distant future. All right, first, let's go to this commercial break. Speaking of holidays, you know what? I'm getting ready to buy some steaks for my mom and my dad in Connecticut and for my own freezer because there's nothing like a good steak the day after turkey on Thanksgiving. And uh, where do I get my steaks? There's only one place, Kansas City Steaks the place where you bring a steakhouse restaurant into your living room, onto your grill, in your barbecue. Uh, listen to the special offer we're about to give you on them. They're very special, and uh, we want to thank them for their support. When we come back, Scott Rasmussen, the pollster, in just a few seconds. Hey, folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking, I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back to this very uh, special uh, post-election morning where we're still trying to sort through the smoke and the dust and no better person to help us do that than our own great pollster, Scott Rasmussen. Scott, welcome to the show. John, great to be with you. And it's, uh, it truly is an, an amazing election. And, and, you know, we've been saying all year, 2020 is full of surprises. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously, they haven't ended. 
Yeah, absolutely. It may not end for a few weeks or maybe four years. Who knows? <laughs> uh, it's, it's a crazy time. So uh, help us handicap what you see at this very moment. You've got Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania starting to trend Biden's way after a night in which, you know, Republicans look like they were up in the presidential race. Let's start with the presidential race. Where do you think this susses itself out in the next couple of uh, days? Well, I, I think, first of all, you need to begin with a little bit of humility. Um, there's still a lot of unknowns. Right. Uh, but what, what I think happened last night was uh, Florida went much stronger for Trump than anybody expected. And that right. created a dynamic where people thought all of the state polls would be off by that margin and that, and that Trump would somehow pull off an even bigger surprise than he did four years ago. Right. Uh, it turned out to be not quite the case. Um, and in a sense, we saw what what we expected to see. We knew that Donald Trump would do very well among in-person voting on election day. We knew that Joe Biden did okay with in-person voting early and the mail-in votes have been overwhelmingly for For Joe Biden. Biden. So where I see it right now uh, with so many votes out in places uh, like the Philadelphia area, uh, I expect if I had to guess right now that Joe Biden wins a narrow victory in the electoral college, um, but but again, you know, the Republicans and the Trump campaign are looking for any opportunity to challenge that. They're going to look for votes, perhaps that were miscounted. They're going to demand the recount in Wisconsin. And it would not surprise me to see lots of legal challenges in places like Pennsylvania. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, maybe a hint of where we are by the end of the week, but maybe not full resolution for a couple of weeks. Is that uh, I think you actually predicted that on the podcast about six, eight weeks ago, that it might be around Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I um, and, and just last week I was saying, you know, the best outcome for Republicans was going to be a toss up race for the White House that wouldn't be decided for a few weeks. And that's kind of where we are right yeah. now. I do think by Friday we'll have a pretty good idea of where things stand. And I think that we'll have a pretty good idea of where any legitimate challenges might be. Right. Uh, you know, it was, it was interesting that uh, Scott Walker, former Wisconsin governor seemed to throw cold water on the idea of a recount, uh, having much of an impact. Well, so, he you know, knows. We'll, he's, ha- we'll he's know gone through some of those. Season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. I think there's more likely, uh, yeah, I think Wisconsin, if it's going to change, ain't going to be because of the recount. It's probably going to be because they found something right. And if, if right. not, I think Wisconsin right. susses out where it is. Um, all right. So, uh, maybe, a uh, a slight win for Joe Biden in the uh, electoral college. Now the Senate looks like it's going to stay in Republican hands. Is that, you kind of feel comfortable with that where we're, we're heading on that? Yeah, I feel comfortable with that. And I've got to say, uh, Susan, you know, I, I can remember saying several times, you never want to count her out, right. uh, but the data doesn't look good for her. Well, you never want to count her out. That may go down as the <laughs> biggest surprise of the, uh, yeah, of the evening. Uh, and, um, and, and look, I think it's really important to, to recognize what that does. Uh, if, if we're correct and if Joe Biden hangs on and wins a narrow electoral college victory, he's going to go into the white house um, with half the country thinking that he doesn't belong there legitimately. Right. He's going to face a Republican Senate, uh, and he's going to have his own, uh, the, the progressive wing of his party, yeah. asking him to do things that are really unpopular. Uh, it'll be a horrible position. And, and bluntly, I think what that means from a policy point of view is governors and local officials will be in charge of dealing with the pandemic. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a great that's a great way of looking at it. You're right because that's the other you know everyone was kicking that can down the road, but Joe Biden is probably closer to a centrist than he sounded the last couple of years, but his party is not, and uh, that young rebellious liberal wing is going to be antagonizing him from the day before he gets into the White House until the day he leaves. And on top of that, you know, I think it's really uh, significant that the president did so well in Florida. Uh, a state that has reopened more than just about anybody. Uh, you know, people on the political left were saying right. that that was going to be the problem for the president, that, uh, you know, there has been this kind of tug of war about what's the right policy in dealing with the pandemic. And uh, I don't think the president has handled it perfectly. He sometimes uh, seemed too bent on reopening no matter the cost. Uh, but I do believe that the bottom line is it, it comes through in the Florida numbers that people recognize we have to deal with this pandemic, but also that we have to find a way to get back to our lives. And it seems like the economy became more of an issue than, than COVID. COVID fell just slightly below the economy and the exit polling. Um, that probably played to the president's advantage as, as well. Absolutely. Uh, the president has always been seen as stronger on, um, uh, on the issue of the economy. And, you know, I have a little bit of a hard time saying one uh, eclipse the other right. because they're all the same issue. I mean, the they reason are. we have the economic problem we do today is because of the pandemic. Um, and so I think there's a, you know, there, there is a correlation, but you're right. The more people focus on the, okay, we have to deal with it. It is a health issue, but there is an economic part of it too. That is better for the president. Yeah, no, that's, I think, how he, how he fared. So at the end of the day, um, you know, we did something here I thought that I was very proud of, which is you, you gave us three models uh, yep. from the beginning, and it seems to me that the high Republican turnout model will be pretty darn close within the margin of error of how the country uh, turned out. Does that, that seem right to you? And I, we, we didn't yeah, settle on what? one number. We, we gave three numbers, which I think was important. Yeah, our, our uh, you know, we ended up saying that with a stronger Republican turnout, the president would probably lose the popular vote by something approaching 5%. Right. Um, and it's impossible to know right now because there's so many mail-in ballots being counted. We know that in 2016, you know, the vote totals for Hillary Clinton kept growing for weeks and weeks as California got around to counting their ballots. But it looks like it's going to end up in that 4 or 5% range. Yeah, no, it does seem like it's going to, going to fall there on that. And then uh, the battlegrounds will be just these razor thin uh, margins in all places. Let me let me take you to a couple of places. Um, uh, let's start with um, Michigan. You know, Trump was up you know eleven points, I think, at one point last night, and John James was up significantly. James is still up now. Biden's or John, uh, Biden's up just a little bit on Trump in Michigan. What do you think uh, happened in Michigan? Well, I think first off, the the coverage uh, of that race was really poorly handled on some of the television networks. Uh, what I think was wrong with it is, uh, imagine a, if you're a football team and you're up by five or six points in the first quarter. Well, you're happy, but you're not feeling terribly confident because there's a long way to long go. Way to go yep. uh, whereas if, if you're up five or six points at the two-minute mark and you've got the ball, you feel a little confident. Uh, yes, the raw numbers that were coming in in Michigan looked pretty good for the president last night, but we knew that a lot of the votes that were going to come in later uh, from mail-in voting and from the Detroit area were going to go in the other direction. And so there was no context given. There was no yeah. sense of, well, he's up by this much, but there's this many votes outstanding. And uh, what struck me last night, John, was watching 
the election night coverage, it was exactly the same way I remember watching Walter Cronkite uh, cover elections, except it's yeah. in color and there's glitzier panel, right. you know, glitzier with the, with the tote boards. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that we need to we need to ditch that model and come up with a better way to provide information to the voters uh, because it was just poorly handled. Uh, there should have never been the giddy expectation of Trump supporters that those numbers in Michigan were representative of the entire state. Right. There should have been a sense of this is close. And uh, and I think that's where it's going to end up probably tilting to Biden. Yeah. Yeah. Close win. When you look out at um, the House, let's, let's uh, go there for a second. Um, the the blue wave in the House did not materialize. And in fact, uh, it, it could be about the same or even a couple of Republican seats in if, if some of these races break the way they're looking. Uh, what happened in the House and what does that do to Nancy Pelosi with an AOC and a Presley and all the Omar and, and the squad already in an antagonistic position where they're probably not happy with their performance? You know, uh, with our justthenews.com poll uh, of the generic ballot a few weeks ago, we noted that uh, the Democrats were doing a few points worse than they did two years ago right. in terms of the generic ballot question. And we noticed the difference was in some of the suburban areas. Right. And, you know, you can never extrapolate from a national poll like that to uh, specific races uh, on a point-by-point basis. But it appears that the mood was never quite as exuberant uh, for the uh, progressive wing of the party as, as some might have expected. Now, what does that do for Nancy Pelosi? It makes her life pretty miserable. Um, she is going to face, uh, she's going to be losing, you know, uh, uh, the ability, she's going to be losing some wiggle room (laughs) to keep the majority on key votes. And, um, there's going to be a vicious argument uh, in her party about, did we go too far left or not far enough? And, you know, a poll that I conducted just a few weeks before the election asked voters about, you know, which kind of a candidate would you like if, if you took personality out of the equation. Right. And um, among Democrats, there was an equal split between or among people who preferred a Democratic lean. Uh, there was an equal split between those who wanted more traditional policies and those who wanted more progressive policies. That battle is going to be waged very fiercely. Um, and, you know, it's good. Joe Biden will end up being caught in the middle of it if he, in fact, is elected. Um, and Nancy Pelosi will find it very difficult to manage. And I would imagine that if you were Kevin McCarthy, you will have plenty of opportunities to uh, uh, to instigate a little trouble on the other side. Yeah, I think that, that that's right. And uh, they were already talking that way this morning. Um, yeah. If Trump loses, what is his legacy uh, in politics? What is his legacy to the Republican movement? Uh, is he just a flash in the pan, four year, what a ride sort of guy, or has he created some realignment in the um, in the um, uh, political sphere of Washington? Well, let's start with his legacy is three Supreme Court justices and leaving a Senate majority in place that will protect that court uh, advantage. I think that's a huge situation. Yeah, uh, if there are other vacancies packing off coming the court. up, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that is the biggest single legacy. I think Donald Trump has uh, been a little bit of a wrecking ball to the political status quo. Um, he has shown the Republicans there are ways to appeal to minorities. There are ways to reach outside of traditional uh, Republican uh, circles and certainly a way to reach people 
uh, on a populist basis rather than a conservative intellectual theoretical basis. Uh, now, where it goes from here, I don't know. Both parties are going to be in turmoil. I, I said a couple of days ago that um, on my podcast that I thought that whoever is elected, it's going to be a difficult four or five years. Uh, I'm still optimistic long term about this nation, but it's going to be very difficult. And Donald Trump uh, did not create this moment. Uh, he tapped into it. He yeah. recognized that Americans, lots of Americans felt ignored uh, by a condescending elite. Um, and that has shaken things up. And I believe the Republicans um, are going to have to look for new ways to tap into some of these voters that Donald Trump has energized. Um, and it's not going to be going back to the way things used to be in the GOP. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's for sure. There's probably no going back now, just the way the realignments are. No. The interesting thing is if if you know you see some ticket splitting, right, you see uh, House members yeah. doing better in the suburbs and, than Trump. Uh, yep. If. If the um, Republican Party could figure a way to keep this attraction to uh, Hispanics and uh, blacks, and uh, and return the the suburban you know white college educated woman and man, uh, they, they've got an interesting opportunity for 2022 and 2024. Um, well, I think 20, 2022 is going to be a if Joe Biden wins, twenty twenty two is going to be a difficult year for Democrats yeah. because they will be perceived as being in charge. Uh, the midterm backlash will probably be significant. Um, and there's but more Democrat seats talking, to defend in the Senate in 2022 as well. Yeah. And and I think the other thing, though, is when you talk about 2024, where do we go from here? Both parties have to reshape themselves. I do not believe the parties will look anything like they have in recent times. Um, uh, there are too many voters up for grabs uh, that nobody feels represents them. Uh, remember, you and I have talked about this before, that a quarter of all voters said if Hillary Clinton had won in 2016, it wouldn't things wouldn't be all that different. Right. Well, if you've got that many voters who are saying it doesn't matter, that means nobody's reaching out to them in a very effective way. Yeah. Yeah. They feel isolated on an island. Yeah. Yep. The, uh, well, the, these are remarkable, uh, remarkable uh, dynamics. Now, looking at your own profession, obviously, we were much more careful here, and your model, I think, is going to be turning out to be right on the money. Others were probably not that careful, as some of the other polls seem to be a little hyperbolic. Um, do you think that there's a reckoning for, one, polling, and two, uh, the media that uses those polls, uh, and uh, is there a hidden voter that just decided it wasn't worth admitting their support for Trump to the polls because of all the aggravation? Um, I'd, I'd love you to referee through those those few things. So, do polling does polling have to be about two hours, yeah. and I can answer you all could, those questions? I'll, well, no. I'll have to do three podcasts. And how about that? <laughs> um, no, I think I, look. I think first of all, yes, there's going to be a reckoning for, and I, I I don't know that I would say for polling as much as the entire political forecasting industry. Great point. Um, you know, um, and I and I I found this myself when I I talked. The, the other day that saying, you know, there's a range of potential outcomes from a narrow Trump victory to a modest Biden victory um, and the odds favor Biden. Uh, and, you know, by the way, here we are in mid at midday, the day after the election, and that still looks OK. Uh, but the reality is I probably should have just focused more on the range, because if you're a data geek and you love numbers, you understand the point that I'm making. 
but I think perhaps it made it sound too finished. You know, it's a 72% chance of winning here or something else going on there. Uh, I think the, the problem with the entire industry is we're focusing on politicians, not voters. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and look, Great if point. we're off by 2% on, a, on an election, it seems like a big deal. Uh, you know, if we're off by three points in Florida, it seems huge. Right. Uh, but if we're measure, if we're trying to understand what voters are looking at, um, you know, and my poll shows that eight out of 10 voters uh, believe that illegal immigration is bad for America and eight out of 10 believe legal immigration is good. Well, being off one or two points isn't all that significant. You're capturing the attitude of the public. Right. And I think some way we need to get away from the obsession about candidates, uh, begin to talk a little more humbly about how results will be reported. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, put them more in context of how many votes are outstanding. And then use the polling to really get the voice of what the American people are thinking uh, so that policymakers can hear it a little better. It is um, absolutely remarkable that um, there are so many Americans who feel disconnected from institutions like the news media and polling that are important to our thing. But also, a few years ago, there wasn't that disconnect. And uh, it seems like the last 10 to 12 years, this erosion of trust in many of our institutions, not just politics, um, someone's got to step into that void. Does Joe Biden, even if he's you know handicapped on the ability to make Supreme Court nominations, other things, does he still have an opportunity to ease some of the tensions in America, or does his presidency look as uh, uh, tense as as what we've seen the last couple of years for Donald Trump? You know, I you never want to underestimate somebody. Uh, there were people who thought Abraham Lincoln was going to be a terribly weak leader, sure. uh, and he turned out to just exceed all expectations to become one of our greatest presidents. Um, so I I don't want to prejudge what a Joe Biden presidency would be, but based on the expectations of where the public is right now, the distrust in the election process, the distrust in the media. Um, and the questions surrounding his election, I think it's going to be very difficult for Biden to do anything more um, than preside over a transition and a very difficult time. Um, it, you know, we're going through a, we're going, America is trying to adapt to the digital revolution. American society yeah. has adapted, but American politics hasn't. And neither Joe Biden nor Donald Trump were the ideal candidate to lead people through that transition. They need somebody else, a younger voice. And I, we're going to find out who that is in the coming years. Yeah, that's a really important thing. Uh, the 2024 race probably started about, oh, 645 this morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, Marco you, Rubio's tweets began. I, I think, okay, him. yeah, he's right. <laughs> uh, you can definitely tell that Marco Rubio, first, liking the way that Florida turned out, uh, but two, uh, liking his chances of getting in the 2024 race. Um, uh, when you look out in both parties, because obviously – uh, Biden's a transitional figure at 77, 78 years old. Uh, are there any people in the next three to six months that we should be watching to make an unexpected move or an expected move to uh, to make a play for 2022, 2024? Um, you know, that, that question gets asked every election, yeah. and my answer is always the same. Uh, you know, in, if you had asked me that after 2004 when John Kerry lost, I never would have come up with Barack Obama's name. Right. I would have said, no yeah, he was a, a yeah. great— Great speaker, but he was too young. Um, 
if you, actually, if you asked me in 2012 about Donald Trump, I would have said no. You know, he'll he'll flirt with the idea, but he'll never run. Right. Uh, there's just too many things. I mean, look, obviously, uh, Nikki Haley and Marco Rubio and Tom Cotton and and uh, many other people are thinking about it on the Republican side. Um, Democrats are going to be a little bit handicapped by waiting to see. Uh, what Kamala Harris's position is in a couple of years, uh, but again, that 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 discussion has begun. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. And uh, if Trump pulls us out by some uh, chance of a, um, a court battle or something, uh, we kind of know what what four more years of Trump are going to look like. But if Trump loses, does he go quietly into the sunset, or uh, does he play on the mischievous victim that he'll he'll portray himself and? having lost today. Did you just seriously ask me if Donald Trump would go quietly into the night? I honestly did, but I was smiling the whole time I said it. I promise you. <laughs> no, I, and, and, you know, the, uh, I saw somebody uh, last night said that uh, the more this election tilts towards Biden, the more chance there is that Trump will run again in 2024. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't see that as the most likely scenario. Right, right. Uh, but the notion that he is going to go quietly, uh, and that's, that's going to be another problem for, for Joe Biden if he wins. Yeah. He is going to have Donald Trump, um, you know, being a royal pain and retaining a tremendous, tremendous amount of support. That's a that's a really great point. I mean, the thing about Trump's base is it, it is really a personality-driven base, and he probably picked right. up a couple points on his basis election. I mean, I think that's one of the things that we see now. Instead of it being a 40% race, it might be a 42 43% base. And, uh, man, if that man wants to hold on to that, he becomes really uh, a thorn in both Republicans and Democrats' side, and I have a funny feeling he wants to hold on to it. Yeah, and I think he is, you know, there's a lot of talk, uh, you know, on the on the left that, well, you know, Barack Obama is somebody that you want to have on your side if you right. want to get the nomination, if you want to do. Uh, there is no way anybody, if Donald Trump does not win and does not run again, uh, he will still be in a position to play the kingmaker's role uh, in 2024. There is no way a Republican nominee could uh, or a Republican candidate to get the nomination without Donald Trump's support in that case. Yeah, that's, I think, one of the great uh, certainties of uh, what, what we come out of this election, depending on who wins. Um, well, Scott, again, I want to thank you for, one, having a creative polling model, because we knew going into this election that uh, estimating turnout was going to be uh, a, an imprecise science. And you gave us three models. I think the heavy Republican turnout model is going to turn out to be very close, certainly within the margin of error on the money. And I want to thank you for doing that extra work because not all pollsters did that, uh, but you sure did. And we're, we're really grateful for the care and, and, and thought that you put into all of our polling. And we're going to keep those daily polls going. I got a good one today and tomorrow we're very excited about. Well, and it's, uh, it's going to be an amazing process. Uh, we learn every time we do a poll, we learn something else about the public. And when we learn that, we learn new questions to ask. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, we're, we're grateful for that partnership. And uh, everyone at Just the News, I think, has grown even greater in their appreciation for your amazing work. So thank you. We're going to let you go get some thank rest because it, it was kind of a late night last night. And uh, we'll, we'll try to get you <laughs> hot and soon again and uh, make sense of all this in a couple of weeks when uh, – when the final smoke settles. So thanks again, Scott.
Thank you, John. Have a great day. All right, you too. Folks, we'll be right back to wrap things up on this the day after the most amazing election in American history. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, that wraps things up. You need some sleep. I know I need some sleep. I can barely keep my eyes open. I was here at 6 in the morning and trying to make sense of this all. But thank you for uh, putting your trust in Justin News, watching what all you saw with us, the videos, the podcasts listening to Scott Rasmussen, our polls. We're so grateful for your support. We're getting bigger every day, whether it's on Real America's Voice, the television network, this podcast network that we've built here, the Just the News website. We are so grateful. And stick with us. We've got a political transition in Washington one way or the other. Either Donald Trump gets another four years or Joe Biden gets his first four years. And we're going to sort that out over the next few days. Stay in touch with us at justthenews.com. And we'll be back tomorrow with another special guest. Until then, God bless and good night.